Welcome to the Doctrine of Justification by Faith by Dr. John Owen. We are continuing to read at page 27 for this reading. This Reformation audio resource is a production of Still Waters Revival Books. Many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog containing classic and contemporary Puritan and Reformed books, CDs, and much more at great discounts are on the web at www.swrb.com. Also, please consider, pray, and act upon the important truths found in the following quotation by Charles Spurgeon. As the Apostle says to Timothy, so also he says to everyone, Give yourselves to reading. He who will not use the thoughts of other men's brains proves that he has no brains of his own. You need to read. Renounce as much as you will all light literature, but study as much as possible sound theological works, especially the Puritanic writers and expositions of the Bible. The best way for you to spend your leisure is to be either reading or praying. And now, to SWRB's reading of the doctrine of justification by faith through the imputation of the righteousness of Christ, explained confirmed and vindicated which we hope you will find to be a great blessing and which we pray draws you nearer to the Lord Jesus Christ for he is the way the truth and the life and no man come unto the Father but by him John 14 verse 6 but it is replied these things are not to be understood absolutely and without limitations sundry distinctions are necessary that we may come to understand the mind of the Holy Ghost and the sense of the Scripture in these ascriptions unto grace and exclusions of the law, our own works and righteousness from our justification. For, number one, the law is either the moral or ceremonial law. The latter, indeed, is excluded from any place in our justification, but not the former. Number two, works required by the law are either wrought before faith without the aid of grace or after believing by the help of the Holy Ghost. The former are excluded from our justification but not the latter. Number three, works of obedience wrought after grace received may be considered either as sincere only or absolutely perfect according to what was originally required in the covenant of works. Those of the latter sort are excluded from any place in our justification, but not those of the former. Number four, there is a twofold justification before God in this life, a first and a second. And we must diligently consider with respect unto whether of these justifications anything is spoken of in the scripture. Number five, justification may be considered either as to its beginning or as to its continuation, and so it has diverse causes under these diverse respects. Number six, works may be considered either as meritorious, ex cognigno, so as their merit should arise from their own intrinsic worth, or ex congruo only, with respect unto the covenant and promise of God. Those of the first sort are excluded, at least from their first justification. The latter may have place both in the first and second. Number seven, moral causes may be of many sorts preparatory, dispository, meritorious, conditionally efficient, or only sin quibus non. 
and we must diligently inquire in what sense, under the notion of what cause or causes, our works are excluded from our justification, and under what notions they are necessary thereunto. And there is no one of these distinctions, but it needs many more to explain it, which, accordingly, are made use of by learned men, and so speckious a color may be put on these things when warily managed by the art of disputation that very few are able to discern the ground of them, or what there is of substance in that which is pleaded for, and fewer yet on whether side the truth does lie. But he who is really convinced of sin and being also sensible of what it is to enter into judgment with the holy God, inquires for himself and not for others how he may come to be accepted with him, will be apt upon the consideration of all these distinctions and subdistinctions wherewith they are attended to say to their authors, non-English words, my inquiry is, how shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? How shall I escape the wrath to come? What shall I plead in judgment before God that I may be absolved, acquitted, justified? Where shall I have a righteousness that will endure a trial in His presence? If I should be harnessed with a thousand of these distinctions, I am afraid they would prove thorns and briars which He would pass through and consume. The inquiry, therefore, is upon the consideration of the state of the person to be justified before mentioned and described, and the proposal of the reliefs in our justification as now expressed, whether it be the wisest and safest course for such a person seeking to be justified before God to betake himself absolutely his whole trust and confidence unto sovereign grace and the mediation of Christ, or to have some reserve for, or to place some confidence in his own graces, duties, works, and obedience. In putting this great difference unto empirage, that we may not be thought to fix on a partial arbitrator, we shall infer it to one of the greatest and most learned adversaries in this cause. And he positively gives us in this determination and resolution in those known words, in this case, non-English words, quote, by reason of the uncertainty of our own righteousness and the danger of vainglory, it is the safest course to repose our whole trust in the mercy and kindness or grace of God alone. And this determination of this important inquiry he confirms with two testimonies of Scripture, as he might have done it with many more. But those which he thought meet to mention are not impertinent. The first is Daniel chapter 9, verse 18. We do not present our supplications before thee for our righteousness, but for thy great mercies. And the other is that of our Savior, Luke chapter 17, verse 10. When ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say, We are unprofitable servants. And after he has confirmed his resolution with sundry testimonies of the fathers, he closes his discourse with this dilemma. Quote, 
either a man has true merits or he has not. If he has not, he is perniciously deceived when he trusts in anything but the mercy of God alone and seduces himself, trusting in false merits. If he has them, he loses nothing whilst he looks not to them, but trusts in God alone. So that whether a man have any good works or no, as to his justification before God, it is best and safest for him not to have any regard unto them, or put any trust in them. End quote. And if this be so, he might have spared all his pains he took in writing his sophistical books about justification, whose principal design is to seduce the minds of men into a contrary opinion. And so, for aught I know, they may spare their labor also, without any disadvantage unto the church of God, or their own souls, who so earnestly contend for some kind of interest or other for our own duties and obedience in our justification before God, seeing it will be found that they place their own whole trust and confidence in the grace of God by Jesus Christ alone. For to what purpose do we labor and strive with endless disputations, arguments, and distinctions to prefer our duties and obedience unto some office in our justification before God, if, when we have done all, we find it the safest course in our own persons to abhor ourselves with Job in the presence of God, to betake ourselves unto sovereign grace and mercy with the publican, and to place all our confidence in them through the obedience and blood of Christ. So died that great emperor, Charles V, as Thuneus gives the account of his Novissima. Footnote. For a notice of Thuneus, see volume 8, page 612. Jacques Auguste de Thou, born in Paris in 1553, was made one of the presidents of the Parlement de Paris in 1594. The first 18 books of his history were published in 1604. Though a Roman Catholic, he gives a candid and graphic description of the horrors of St. Bartholomew's Day, on which account, and for other similar reasons, his work was placed on the Index Expurgatorius in 1609. And footnote. So he reasoned with himself, non-English words, quote, that in himself he was altogether unworthy to obtain the kingdom of heaven by his own works or merits, but that his Lord God, who enjoyed it on a double right or title by inheritance of the Father and the merit of his own passion, was contented with the one himself and freely granted unto him the other, on whose free grant he laid claim thereunto, and in confidence thereof he should not be confounded. For the oil of mercy is poured only into the vessel of faith or trust, that this is the trust of a man despairing in himself and resting in his Lord. Otherwise, to trust unto his own works or merit is not faith, but treachery, that sins are blotted out by the mercy of God, and therefore we ought to believe that our sins can be pardoned by him alone, against whom alone we have sinned, with whom there is no sin, by whom alone sins are forgiven. End quote. This 
is the faith of men when they come to die, and those who are exercised with temptations whilst they live. Some are hardened in sin and endeavor to leave this world without thoughts of another. Some are stupidly ignorant, who neither know nor consider what it is to appear in the presence of God and to be judged by Him. Some are seduced to place their confidence in merits, pardons, indulgences, and future suffrages for the dead. But such as are acquainted with God and themselves in any spiritual manner, who take a view of the time that is past and approaching eternity, into which they must enter by the judgment seat of God, however they may have thought, talked, and disputed about their own works and obedience, looking on Christ and His righteousness only to make up some small defects in themselves, will come at last unto a universal renunciation of what they have been and are and betake themselves unto Christ alone for righteousness or salvation. And in the whole ensuing discourse, I shall as little as is possible immix myself in any curious scholastical disputes. This is the substance of what is pleaded for, that men should renounce all confidence in themselves and everything that may give countenance whereunto, betaking themselves unto the grace of God by Christ alone for righteousness and salvation. This God designs in the gospel. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 29 to 31. And herein, whatever difficulties we may meet with all in the explication of some propositions and terms that belong unto the doctrine of justification, about which men have various conceptions, I doubt not of the internal concurrent suffrage of them who know anything as they ought of God and themselves. Fifthly, a commutation as unto sin and righteousness by imputation between Christ and believers Represented in the scripture, the ordinance of the scapegoat, Leviticus chapter 16, verse 21 and 22. The nature of expiatory sacrifices, Leviticus chapter 4, verse 29, etc. Expiation of an uncertain murder, Deuteronomy 21, verses 1 to 9. The commutation intended, provided, and vindicated, Isaiah 53, verse 5 and 6. 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 21. Romans, chapter 8, verse 3 and 4. Galatians, chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. 1 Peter, chapter 2, verse 24. Deuteronomy, chapter 21, verse 23. Testimonies of Justin Martyr, Gregory Nissian, Augustine, Chrysostom, Bernard, Tellurius, Pigius, to that purpose. The proper actings of faith with respect thereunto, Romans chapter 5 verse 11, Matthew chapter 11 verse 28, Psalms 38 verse 4, Genesis chapter 4 verse 13, Isaiah 53 verse 11, Galatians chapter 3 verse 1, Isaiah chapter 45, verse 22, John chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. A bold 
calumny answered. Fifthly, there is in the scripture represented unto us a commutation between Christ and believers as unto sin and righteousness, that is, and the imputation of their sins unto him and of his righteousness unto them, in the improvement and application hereof unto our own souls, no small part of life and exercise of faith does consist. This was taught the church of God in the offering of the scapegoat. Quote, And Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat to confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions in all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat. And the goat shall bear upon him all their iniquities. Leviticus chapter 56 verses 21 to 22. Whether this goat sent away with this burden upon him did live, and so was a type of life of Christ in his resurrection after his death, or whether he perished in the wilderness, being cast down the precipice of a rock by him that conveyed him away, as the Jews supposed, it is generally acknowledged that what was done to him and with him was only a representation of what was done really in the person of Jesus Christ. And Aaron did not only confess the sins of the people over the goat, but he also put them all on his head. Non-English words, quote, And he shall give them all to be on the head of the goat, unquote. In answer whereunto it is said that he bare them all upon him. This he did by virtue of the divine institution wherein was the ratification of what was done. He did not transfuse sin from one subject unto another, but transferred the guilt of it from one to another. And to evidence this translation of sin from the people unto the sacrifice in his confession, quote, he put and fixed both his hands on his head, unquote. Thence the Jews say, quote, that all Israel was made as innocent on the day of expiation as they were on the day of creation, end quote. From verse 30, wherein they came short of perfection or consummation, whereby the apostle declares, Hebrews 10. But this is the language of every expiatory sacrifice. Non-English words, quote, let the guilt be on him, unquote. Hence the sacrifice itself was called a non-English word, and non-English word, quote, sin and guilt, unquote. Leviticus chapter 4, verse 29, chapter 7, verse 2, chapter 10, verse 17. And therefore, where there was an uncertain murder, and none could be found that was liable to punishment thereon, the guilt might not come upon the land, nor the sin be imputed unto the whole people. A heifer was to be slain by the elders of the city that was next unto the place where the murder was committed, to take away the guilt of it. Deuteronomy 21, verses 1 to 9. But whereas this was only a moral representation of the punishment due to guilt, and no sacrifice, the guilty person being not known, those who slew the heifer did not put their hands on him, so as to transfer their own guilt to him, but washed their hands over him to declare their personal innocence. By these means, as in all their expiatory sacrifices, did God instruct the church 
in the transferring of the guilt of sin unto him who was to bear all their iniquities with their discharge and justification thereby. So, God laid on Christ the iniquities of us all, that by his stripes we might be healed. Isaiah 53, verses 5 and 6. Our iniquity was laid on him, and he bare it. Verse 11. And through his bearing of it, we are freed from it. His stripes are our healing. Our sin was his, imputed unto him. His merit is ours, imputed unto us. He was made sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. This is that commutation I mentioned. He was made sin for us. We are made the righteousness of God in him. God not imputing sin unto us, verse 19, but imputing righteousness unto us, does it on this ground alone, that he was made sin for us. And if by his being made sin, only his being made a sacrifice for sin is intended, it is to the same purpose. For the formal reason of anything being made an expiatory sacrifice was the imputation of sin unto it by divine institution. The same is expressed by the same apostle in Romans chapter 8, verse 3 and 4. God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. The sin was made his. He answered for it. And the righteousness which God requires by the law is made ours. The righteousness of the law is fulfilled in us, not by our doing, but by His. This is that blessed change in commutation wherein alone the soul of a convinced sinner can find rest and peace. So, He has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, that the blessing of Abraham might come on us. Galatians chapter 3 verses 13 and 14. The curse of the law contained all that was due to sin. This belonged unto us, but it was transferred on him. He was made a curse, whereof his hanging on a tree was the sign and token. Hence, he is said to bear our sins in his body on the tree. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 Because his hanging on the tree was the token of his bearing the curse. For he that is hanged is the curse of God. Deuteronomy 21, verse 23. And in the blessing of faithful Abraham, all righteousness and acceptation with God is included. For Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. But because some who, for reasons best known unto themselves, do take all occasions to accept against my writings, have in particularly raised an impertinent clamor about somewhat that I formerly delivered to this purpose, I shall declare the whole of my judgment herein in the words of some of those whom they can pretend no quarrel against, that I know of. The excellent words of Justin Martyr deserve the first place. Non-English words, quote, He gave his son a ransom for us, the holy for transgressors, the innocent for the nonsense the just for the unjust, the incorruptible for the corrupt, the immortal for mortals, 
What else could hide or cover our sins but His righteousness? In whom else could we wicked and ungodly ones be justified, or esteemed righteous, but in the Son of God alone? Oh, sweet permutation or change! Oh, unsearchable work or curious operation! Oh, blessed benefice! Exceeding all expectations that the iniquity of many should be hid in one, just one, and the righteousness of one should justify many transgressors. End quote. And Gregory Neeson speaks to the same purpose. Metathes gar pros yaton ton ton hemon harmartion puran metadoke moi tes yatu katharte tas koinonon metu itu kalus atergasamenas. Quote, he has transferred unto himself the filth of my sins and communicated unto me his purity and made me partaker of his beauty. So, Augustine also, non-English words, quote, he was sin that we might be righteousness, not our own, but the righteousness of God, not in ourselves, but in him, as he was sin, not his own, but ours, not in himself, but in us. End quote. The old Latin translation renders those words, Psalms 22, verse 1, non-English words. He thus comments on the place, non-English words, quote, How says he of my sins? Because he prayeth for our sins. He made our sins to be his, that he might make his righteousness to be ours. O teis glucheas antologes. Quote, O sweet communication and change. End quote. In Chrysostom, to the same purpose on those words of the Apostle, quote, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. End quote. Non-English words. Quote, what word, what speech is this? What mind can comprehend or express it? For he says, he made him who was righteous to be made a sinner, that he might make sinners righteous. Nor yet does he say so neither, but that which is far more sublime and excellent. For he speaks not of an inclination or affection, but expresses the quality itself. For he says not, he made him a sinner, but sin, that we might be made not merely righteous, but righteousness, and that the righteousness of God, when we are justified not by works, for if we should, there must be no spot found in them, but by grace, whereby all sin is blotted out. End quote. So, Bernard also, non-English words. If those who show themselves now so quarrelsome almost about every word that is spoken concerning Christ and his righteousness had ever been harassed in their consciences about the guilt of sin, as this man was, they would think it no strafe matter to speak and write as he did. Yea, some there are who have lived and died in the communion of the church of Rome itself that have given their testimony 
unto this truth. So speaks Teleros, non-English words, quote, Whereas the great sin of Adam cannot go away, I beseech thee, Heavenly Father, punish it in me, for I take all his sins upon myself. If, then, this tempest of anger be risen for me, cast me into the sea of my most bitter passion, end quote. See, in the justification of these expressions, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 5 to 10, the discourse of Albertus Pighus, to this purpose, though often cited and urged, shall be once again repeated, both for its worth and truth, as also to let some men see how fondly they have pleased themselves and reflecting on some expressions of mine, as though I had been singularly in them. His words are, after others, to the same purpose. Non-English words. Quote, God was in Christ, says the Apostle, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing unto men their sins, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. In him, therefore, we are justified before God, not in ourselves, not by our own, but by his righteousness, which is imputed unto us, now communicating with him. Wanting righteousness of our own, we are taught to seek for righteousness without ourselves, in him. So he says, him who knew no sin, he made to be sin for us. That is, an expiatory sacrifice for sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We are made righteous in Christ, not with our own, but with the righteousness of God. By what right? The right of friendship, which makes all common among friends, according unto the ancient celebrated proverb. Being engrafted into Christ, fastened, united unto Him, He makes His things ours, communicates His riches unto us, interposes His righteousness between the judgment of God and our unrighteousness. And under that, as under a shield and buckler, He hides us from that divine wrath which we have deserved. He defends and protects us therewith. Yea, he communicates it unto us and makes it ours, so as that, being covered and adorned therewith, we may boldly and securely place ourselves before the divine tribunal and judgment, so as not only to appear righteous, but so to be. For even as the apostle affirms that by one man's fault we were all made sinners, so is the righteousness of Christ alone efficacious in the justification of us all. And, as by the obedience of one man, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one man, he says, many are made righteous. This is the righteousness of Christ, even his obedience, whereby in all things he fulfilled the will of his Father. As on the other hand, our unrighteousness is our disobedience and our transgression of the commands of God. But that our righteousness is placed in the obedience of Christ. It is from hence that we, being incorporated unto Him, it is accounted unto us as if it were ours, so as that therewith we are esteemed righteous. And as Jacob of old, whereas he was not the firstborn, being hid under the habit of his brother, and clothed by his garment, which breathed a sweet 
Savior, presented himself unto his father, that in the person of another he might receive the blessing of the primogeniture. So it is necessary that we should lie hid under the precious purity of the firstborn, our eldest brother, be fragrant with his sweet savor, and have our sin buried and covered with his perfections, that we may present ourselves before our most holy Father to obtain from him the blessing of righteousness. End quote. And again, quote, God therefore does justify us by His free grace or goodness, wherewith He embraces us in Christ Jesus, when He clotheth us with His innocence and righteousness, as we are engrafted into Him, for as that alone is true and perfect which only can endure in the sight of God, so that alone ought to be presented and pleaded for us by the divine tribunal as the advocate of our plea in our cause." Resting hereon, we here obtain the daily pardon of sin, with whose purity being covered our filth and the uncleanliness of our imperfections are not imputed unto us, but are covered as if they were buried, that they may not come into the judgment of God, until the old man being destroyed and slain in us, divine goodness receives us into peace with the second Adam." End quote. So far he, expressing the power which the influence of divine truth had on his mind, contrary to the interest of the cause wherein he was engaged, and the loss of his reputation with them, for whom in all other things he was one of the fiercest champions. And some among the Roman church, who cannot bear his assertion of the commutation of sin and righteousness by imputation between Christ and believers, no more than some among ourselves, do yet affirm the same concerning the righteousness of other men. Non-English words. Hoseas de expresso de verbo. Footnote. Stanislaus Hoseas was a Roman Catholic author. His collected works passed through several editions, of which the earliest seems to have been one published at Paris in 1552. His treaty de expresso de verbo, was also published separately in 1610. End footnote. But I have mentioned these testimonies principally to be a relief unto some men's ignorance who are ready to speak evil of what they understand not. This Reformation audio resource is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. Many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing classic and contemporary Puritan and Reformed books, CDs, and much more at great discounts are on the web at www.swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com, by phone at 780-450-3730, by fax at 780-468-1096 or by mail at 4710-37A Avenue, Edmonton, AB, Canada, T6L3T5. If you do not have a web connection, 
please request a free printed catalog. If you do have a web connection and would like to be added to our email list, please send an email to add at swrb.com or swrb at swrb.com with the word add in the subject line. SWRB's email list is a double opt-in list. So once you've sent us your email address, you'll be asked by email to confirm that you want to join our list using the email address you have supplied. Your email information will be kept confidential, and you can easily remove yourself from our email list by simply emailing us at swrb at swrb.com with the word remove in the subject line. Once you are on our email list, you will be alerted to all the free Reformation resources, free MP3s, free electronic books and texts, etc., that SWRB makes available on the web, as well as, at times, to our best discounts and super specials. We also encourage you to reproduce this audio resource and to pass it on to your friends. But we only authorize this as long as the full contents of the message including the header and trailer, is not altered in any way, and as long as the audio file or cassette is given away for free. Thank you again for listening to this SWRB reading. And remember that Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3 states, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. And 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11 concludes, Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace shall be with you.